in front of you on your phone. So just to start us off, um, there's a story you might have heard of, quite a well-known story called uh, The Elephant and the Blind Man. I think our picture will come up on the screen. Uh, you might have heard this story. Um, it's a story told of a group of blind men who are walking down the street one day, uh, probably walking together, and uh, as you walk along the street, they came across an elephant. And the story says that none of them had ever encountered an elephant before, and they began to feel and wonder what it was. Well, it says that one of them uh, felt the trunk of the elephant. He thought, oh, this feels a bit, maybe, like, maybe it's a snake. Um, another one of them felt uh, the tail of the elephant. thought, well, maybe this feels a bit like a rope. Another of the blind men felt the uh, legs of the elephant. He thought, well, this feels a bit like a tree trunk. And then the story concludes with the storyteller saying, well, actually, none of the blind men actually uh, saw the whole picture of what it was. Each of them just saw a part of the elephant. None of them saw the whole thing. Each of them just saw a part of the elephant. And the moral of the story is from the storyteller that uh, he's making, giving a, uh, making a point about religions, and the story claims that actually all the different religions in the world, or the thousands of religions, none of them see the whole truth about God, the life, and the world. Actually, all different religions, it says, only see a part of the truth and not the whole truth about God and how we can be sure we're going to heaven. So that story says, yeah, we only don't, none of us see the whole truth, we only see a part of the truth. Well, you might have heard that story, and it's sometimes used to challenge actually what Jesus says here, where Jesus says he is the truth and he is the way to God. Uh, that, that story of the blind man elephant would, would bunk what Jesus is saying there. And um, I'm sure you might know, though, there is actually a fatal flaw in that story of the blind men and the elephant. Actually, the fatal flaw is this, that actually there is one person who does actually see the whole of the elephant, which, of course, is the storyteller. The storyteller does see the whole of the elephant. You can see what's going on. It's actually the storyteller who's telling that story does actually see the whole picture. It is actually a claim to absolute, to know absolute truth. It is possible to see a comprehensive picture. So actually the storyteller doesn't actually satisfy the criteria of the story itself. It doesn't satisfy its own criteria. It's a claim itself to absolute truth. It has a fatal flaw in the story. But I think each of us probably do feel the force of that kind of view that today isn't popular to believe in exclusive truth claims like Jesus did when Jesus said he's the only way to the Father. That's not a very popular view. And we feel the force of the, the unpopularity of that and the negativity people have to that claim of Jesus. So how can we today in the 21st century be confident in what Jesus says here in this passage? How can we be unashamed of the gospel? How can we uh, know and share this good news when Jesus said he is the way, the truth and life and he's the only way to the Father? Well, we're going to see tonight from our passage three things about Jesus which are completely unique Three things about Jesus which are unique. We should give us confidence in the gospel. And confidence is good news when he says that he's the way, the only way to the Father. So three things about Jesus which are unique then. So here's the first thing we see about Jesus which is unique. That only Jesus has made a way to God. Only Jesus has made a way to God. This is obviously in verse 6 where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Apparently there are uh, well over 4,000 different religions in the world, and I of course haven't studied all of them. I expect none of us have probably studied all of them. I've only studied some of the major world religions. But the thing is, generally the truth is in, in religions that most religions seem to say that if you do lots of good works and live a good life, then you might 
go to heaven. You, you have a hope of eternal life. You do lots of good works. And if you do, do live a good life, you might have a place in heaven when you die or, or nirvana or whatever they call it. But of course, with all those religions, there's always a, a slight niggling doubt, isn't it? You have I done enough good works? Have I lived a good enough life? Is there something I missed? Is there something I forgot? Something I should have done that I didn't do? It's always a niggling doubt. It's actually a lot of religions then do struggle with the issue of assurance. How can I be confident and sure actually of hope and heaven after I die? I can remember once actually meeting a Muslim, a very devout Muslim, and I said to him, quite honestly, are you confident you'll go to heaven when you die? And Muslim said, well, while he tried to be a good Muslim, actually he wasn't sure that he was going to go to heaven. Or, uh, that um, He said um, he believed it was just entirely really dependent on the mercy of Allah. And actually he just really wasn't sure that he would go to heaven. He hoped he would, but he didn't know. He'd only find out uh, after he died. But when Jesus comes here in this passage, Jesus makes a bold claim. He says he is the way to God. And actually he says we can be confident and assured we've got eternal life with God and we'll be safe with him forever. You see Jesus' promise to his disciples and to us in verses 1 to 4 where Jesus says this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. This part of John's Gospel is a part known as Jesus' farewell discourse. Jesus is getting ready for his crucifixion, his resurrection, and return to his Father. And he's preparing his disciples for his departure. They are obviously grieved and saddened as Jesus is talking about his departure. And they're wondering how they'll survive when he's gone. But Jesus is preparing them for that. But Jesus makes a wonderful promise to them and to us. He's going to the Father to prepare a place for them and for his followers today, and that one day he'll come and take us to be with him uh, forever. It's a wonderful, com- comforting promise. And for Jesus' followers, both then and today, we have a secure future with him. him. You know, heaven and the new creation is big enough for all of Jesus' followers, both today and throughout the history of the world. I sometimes wished myself, I don't know if you ever wished this, that I could live in a really big house with lots of rooms. I'd love to live in a big house. We've got a small house here in Beeston. Well, actually, one day, Jesus promised that his followers will live in a really big house. His father's house, uh, there's enough room for all his followers. No one uh, need fear there won't be room for them in heaven if they trust in Christ. And that means for us, for our loved ones, and for us, if, for those who've departed, uh, who've gone to be with the Lord, we can be confident that our loved ones who knew Jesus, they are safe with him. So we think of loved ones from this fellowship who've passed away and gone to be with the Lord, like Robert Patterson recently, where Jesus prepared a place for him. I think of my own mother and father who knew the Lord, uh, and now they're with Jesus in heaven. And that promise is true for us as well. Jesus has promised that uh, he says to us, well, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, Believe also in me. Jesus prepares a place for you and for I with him in heaven forever. And Jesus doesn't just say that you might get to heaven if you trust him. He says, he says it with confidence that he is the way to the Father. I don't think that's arrogant because, because if, if, if it's true, then, then it is the way things are, is reality. Jesus is uh, God come in the flesh to show us the way to the Father. It's not arrogant, it's a, it's a truth claim. 
Now, there's a number of reasons why we can have confidence in this, but one of the biggest reasons we can have confidence in this is because, simply because Jesus is the perfect priest that we need. Jesus is the perfect priest for us. Jesus lived a perfect life on earth, and at the end of his life, he took our sins on himself, took our sins to the cross, bearing the punishment we need, and made a way to God. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The way to God is open. Jesus made a way for us to come to God. Last time we were looking at one of these I am statements, we looked at the I am statement where Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. And he said, I know my sheep, I know them by name, and I call my sheep by name. One of the things that means then is that if uh, Jesus is also your high priest, he's identified with you and we're identified with him, that actually means that he uh, knows our name as he's now in the presence of the Father. He, he takes our name into the presence of the Father with him. His Father and him know our names. We're identified with him in heaven. And it's settled. It's done. Jesus said on the cross, didn't he? He said, it is finished. All the debts have been cleared and paid for us. Uh, the price has been paid. It's all clear. We can be right with God through Jesus. There's a song we sometimes sing where it says this. The price is paid. Alleluia. Amazing grace, so strong and sure. And so with all my heart, my life in every part, I live to thank you for the price you paid. Jesus isn't arrogant. Jesus has done it for us. Sometimes people say, don't they, oh, you can't be sure there's life after death because people say, oh, nobody's ever to come back from the dead to show us. But the claim of the New Testament is actually somebody has died and come back from the dead. Someone has shown us there is life after death and the way to the Father. Somebody has come back from the dead to show us there is life after death in Jesus himself. I think we can also say, if we have friends who struggle with this, we can also say to our friends, well, look at how gracious God has been in opening the way to the Father. Look how gracious God has been. Look at the amazing cost God paid through his son to open the way to him. It's free to us to have salvation. It's free to us to have that salvation through Jesus, but it costs immensely to God. It's costly to God. God has been immensely gracious in opening a way to him. That's, that's the first way then that Jesus is unique. That only Jesus has made a way to God. Let's look at the second way Jesus is unique then. It's this. Uh, follow on. That only Jesus shows us the truth about God. Only Jesus shows the truth about God. This is also from verse 6 where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus shows us the truth about God. The idea of the truth is something which comes up a number of times in John's Gospel. So in John chapter 1, Jesus said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We have seen his glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in John chapter 1 as well, he also says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And then Jesus also said, If you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Jesus claims to show us the truth about God, to help us to know God, we can know God truly through him. That's a really big claim, isn't it, of Jesus saying he can show us the truth about God. But here's a claim, actually, Jesus backs up both in his words, 
and his works, both in the things he said and in the things he did. It, it backs up what Jesus says. This is from verse 8. So if you look down at verse 8 in our passage, it says this. Uh, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still don't not, do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on accounts of the works themselves. Jesus says there that his Father is in him, and he's in the Father, they mutually indwell one another, so he's uniquely able to show us what God is like. Uh, and then he says you can see God uh, in his, both his works and his words. So there's a sense in which, actually, if, 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 we could, if Jesus was here today, and we could look at Jesus' face, to see the face of Jesus, in a sense, to see the face of God. To hear Jesus' words is to hear the words of God. To see Jesus' works is to see the works of God. I take it when Jesus refers to his works, he isn't just referring to his miracles like the feeding of the 5,000 or the raising of Lazarus or the signs and wonders Jesus did, but also his works uh, actually includes everything Jesus did, the ways he related to people, his compassion on the crowds who were like sheep without a shepherd, Jesus' love for the outsider, Jesus' comfort for the grieving uh, like Mary and Martha. Jesus' willingness to have his plans interrupted when people wanted to spend time with him. And actually, everything Jesus did was his works, both the way he relates to people as well as the signs and wonders. And of course, his work on the cross and his resurrection all reveals God to us. So isn't it arrogant for Jesus to say he can show us the truth about God because his words and his works back it up? Listen to uh, these words from the Apostle Paul of how he describes who Jesus is. He says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. In everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus reveals the truth about God to us uh, through his words and his works. Uh, some of you know this week I was helping with uh, the events week at uh, Leeds Christian Union. They had an events week at Beckett, which Theo was involved in. And they had an events week at Leeds uh, University Christian Union as well. And it was a really encouraging time. Uh, so they had numerous events throughout the week. And uh, I think they had over 100 a number over 100 people at each of the different events, a number of churches supporting them. And each of the uh, lunchtime events, they had like an apologetics talk. They have a guest speaker giving an, a subject on it, maybe an area, a question, seem to defend the Christian faith. And one day they had a lady called Claire Williams who was speaking, and she touched on a uh, subject of different religions. I think found one thing she said quite interesting. She said that when you look at different world religions, she said that superficially on the surface they might look similar, but actually when you delve down into them more deeper, actually fundamentally they are really different in fundamental ways. Superficially on the surface they might look similar, but when you delve into them more deeper, uh, there are actually fundamental differences. So actually if that's true, 
And it simply won't do to say all religions are the same, in a very simplistic way, or to say uh, they all lead to God when they make fundamental, deeper, you know, conflicting claims or, or, or conflicting truth claims. It's a very superficial, simple view to see things like that. One of the great things that uh, Jesus shows us in his revelation, when we still look at his life, is actually Jesus shows us that God isn't unmoved by the suffering and pain of the world. Uh, God cares about the suffering and pain of the world, and he's come to do something about it through Jesus. Uh, the, the minister, John Stott, who's now with the Lord, used to say that when he looked at the suffering of Jesus, it was one of the things which convinced him to carry on as a Christian, to keep believing as a Christian, that set Jesus apart from other world religions. He wrote a book called Why, Why I'm a Christian. And there he talks about times when he did uh, visit Buddhist temples and, uh, and how visiting Buddhist temples compared to Jesus led him to keep uh, following Christ. Listen to what he said about his experience of going to Buddhist temples. He said this. I've entered many Buddhist temples in different Asian countries and stood respectfully before the statue of the Buddha his legs crossed, arms folded, eyes closed, the ghost of a smile playing around his mouth, a remote look on his face detached from the agonies of the world. But each time after a while I've had to turn away, and in my imagination I have turned instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross, nails through hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, Mouth dry and intolerably thirsty, plunged in God-forsaken darkness. That is the God for me. He laid aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood and tears and death. That's the God for me. Jesus is unique. He shows the truth about God. And of course, uh, that's not to say there aren't uh, things, like there are still mysteries things we don't know about God, we're still learning about God as we get to know Jesus better, but God's revelation in Jesus is clear and sufficient for us. We can see the glory of God as we look at the face of Jesus. I think it's one of the biggest blessings of being a follower of Jesus today in the New Testament age. Actually, any follower of Jesus today can know God for themselves. is isn't just some religious elite who can know God, but actually anyone who can know God when they follow Jesus. This is what Jeremiah said, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbour and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I forgive their iniquity and remember their sins no more. Actually, anyone who knows and follows Jesus can know God for themselves, not just a religious elite, because Jesus made God known to us. So Jesus is unique because he opened a way to the God. And Jesus is unique because he shows us the truth about God. And then last way, last way we see tonight that Jesus is unique is that Jesus offers us life from God. Jesus offers us life from God. This is again verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Again, the theme of life is a theme which comes up several times in John's Gospel. Jesus said in John chapter 1, I am uh, in him with life, and that life with the light of men. At the end of his gospel, John says the whole reason he wrote his gospel for us was that we could believe in Jesus and by believing in him have life in his name. In John chapter 5, in the middle of his gospel, he makes a claim where Jesus says, uh, Jesus says, he has life in himself. 
saying that Jesus actually doesn't depend on anything for life. Like we depend on the sun and food and drink. Actually, Jesus doesn't depend on anything for life. He has life in himself. He can offer life to those who come to him. See that verse from Colossians I read earlier, it's slightly longer reading where so Jesus was the one who created all things, the one who sustains all things, the one who stepped into time to give us life, to save us from death. Uh, in the book of Revelation, at the end of the Bible, Jesus says this, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus is able to offer us life. He's the Lord of life. Now, if you and I were today to, we could travel around the world, and I think we could go to some of the grave sites or tomb sites of different uh, religious leaders. You, know, you and I could go and visit the tomb of Buddha, where Buddha was laid. We could go and visit the tomb of Muhammad. We could visit the burial place of Gandhi. If you want to, we see all the, the burial place, all these uh, famous religious leaders. And we could go to the place uh, of Jesus' tomb, uh, where we believe Jesus' body was laid in the, in the tomb. But of course, we went to the tomb of Jesus, we find an empty tomb. There is no body found there. And neither Jesus' disciples nor Jesus' enemies at the time could find the body. The tomb was empty. It was an empty tomb. And the disciples said they saw Jesus alive again. He was risen. So in comparison to uh, other world religions, only Jesus' tomb is empty today. He's risen from the dead. And he offers us life with him. We can share in his resurrection with him. And of course, Jesus still today offers life to those who come to him. I was saying earlier how I, um, this, this last week I was encouraged helping with the Leeds CU events week. And one of the biggest encouragements to me this week, which came to me as a surprise, was uh, a man I met called Neil. I met Neil on the Tuesday and he was there on Wednesday and Thursday. I was just helping in the mor- mornings and the, up to lunchtime, came home in the evenings. And on Friday I thought, well, I need to go and prepare for the weekend for City Church. So I didn't help on the Friday. But Neil was really interested and he was very hungry. I think a friend had already been reading the Bible with him. And then on just yesterday, I got a text message from Adam Robinson. I'm sure many know Adam. He's preached there. He's the pastor at Roundtay Evangelical Church. And Adam was helping a few days. And Adam texted me yesterday with this message. I thought I'd read it to you just to encourage you because it encouraged me. That's what Adam wrote. He said to me, Hi, Dave. For your encouragement, I don't know if you'd heard, but Neil gave his life to Christ following the evening meeting on Thursday. Adam. I was encouraged to hear that. Yeah, Jesus is the Lord of life. He's risen from the dead and he offers people life today like they did for Neil. So only Jesus made a way to God. Only Jesus shows the truth about God and only Jesus offers us life from God. So I'm going to encourage us today in the 21st century, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of these big claims of Jesus. But let's share Jesus and make him known to others, so they can know God for themselves and the life we can have with Him. Let me pray for us.